The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I'm Neil Zacharias, and you're listening to Eat for the Planet. On this show, we try to answer the question, how can we eat in a way that nourishes us without starving the planet? The show features conversations with food industry leaders, health and sustainability experts, as well as entrepreneurs and creative minds who are redefining the future of food. I'm really excited to share this episode with you. I've been working with an amazing team over the past few months to plan and launch Plantega, a unique food access initiative and distribution platform for plant-based food. We're launching Plantega as a three-month pilot at three independent corner stores, better known as bodegas in New York City, located in underserved communities. We are bringing products from some of the biggest plant-based brands, including Beyond Meat, Eat Just, Good Catch, Miyoko's, No Evil Foods, Follow Your Heart, Loopy, Pan's Mushroom Jerky, Nut Pods, Halsa Foods, and Tofurky. We're selling over 30 products at these locations via a unique branded cooler installation and a special grill menu that features iconic New York City bodega foods like the breakfast sausage egg and cheese sandwich and the chopped cheese sandwich plus more. If you've heard this podcast before, you know that we have almost no hope of fighting climate change if we don't shift our diets in a plant-forward direction. And while the demand for plant-based food has been steadily rising in the past few years, cost and accessibility continue to be two of the biggest barriers to adoption for many Americans. While on the one hand, sales of plant-based food increased during the pandemic, this year has been incredibly difficult for many across the country because of rising unemployment and the fact that COVID-19 itself has disproportionately impacted communities of color who are also more likely to be suffering from food insecurity. By no means do we think Plantega alone can address the numerous systemic problems that make it difficult to bring healthy, safe, affordable, accessible, and sustainable food to everyone My hope is that this effort to make plant-based options available to underserved communities in urban food deserts is one small step in the right direction. Joining me on this episode are Andrew Arrieta from Effect Partners and Eric Castro, the talent behind the Instagram account, How To Be Vegan In The Hood. They are part of the incredible team that has been working with me to bring Plantegar to life. While the whole team did not join us for this chat, I want to acknowledge that we couldn't have done this without each and every one of you. But I especially want to extend a huge thank you to Chris Chamberlain and Michael Martin and the entire team at Effect Partners for kickstarting the Food Fighters Collective that eventually led to the development of the Plantega prototype. I hope you enjoy this conversation, which I anticipate will be the first of many about this unique initiative. 
Eric Castro and Andrew Arietta. Thank you so much for joining us on the Eat for the Planet podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm excited. So I obviously know both of you pretty well. We've been working together and uh, for the last few months now. Oh, yeah. Uh, on the project we're here to talk about. But for the benefit of the listener, why don't we start with you, Eric? What is your background? Um, not to sound cliche, but honestly, just following my heart with whatever I wanted to do. Um, so I was always into business and I got into food a few years ago, then getting into vegan food, uh, which all kind of led me to creating how to be vegan in the hood, creating, uh, being a part of Plantega. But honestly, just being honest to myself and like anything I really wanted to do, no matter what, you know, the circumstances were, I was going to try and go for it. Yeah, so how to be vegan in the hood for those who have no idea what that is. Um, explain that Instagram account and what what led you to create that. Uh, I made uh, how to be vegan in the hood. It's like an Instagram page where you can find recipes and vegan restaurants. I made it because I didn't know anyone who was plant based at the time besides uh, one other friend of mine, and everyone would question me like, "Why would you stop eating meat? Like, what's why would you give up eating pork chops to eat a salad?" That's what was everyone's like mental thought of going uh, plant-based. Um, so instead of me verbally just telling everyone that there's alternatives to everything now, I just made the Instagram. And I didn't expect it to be what it is today. I just made it honestly for my close friends to understand and people who might not have an understanding somewhere else. But I didn't expect it to be this big thing. I just was like, I'm plant-based now. I'm going to make an Instagram. Go for it. I didn't know any other plant-based Instagrams or I didn't have any knowledge at all in this field. But I was like, I'm going to do this because none of my friends understand it. And I think I can spread some, some, some good information. So that's, that's how it created. And so you had never done like – you were not uh, an Instagram expert or influencer or anything before that, were you? Uh, influencer, no. But I used to own an art gallery in Williamsburg. Um, I was 23 at the time. So 2013. And I was – forced to learn how to run that Instagram page. Mm. So that kind of taught me the business aspect of Instagram and little techniques that I still use to this day. Um, but never an influencer or nothing like that. I just, you know, how to run that business page, which led me to running other businesses pages and everything just grew from there. That's so cool. And you grew up in New York City. Yeah, born and raised. Um, born and raised in Queens, but I, I lived all over. I've lived different parts of Brooklyn. I lived in Upper Manhattan for a little bit and now I'm in Jersey. Oh, so you finally left uh, the city. <laughs> yeah, once you start ha having to pay bills, you know that uh, Jersey's, the way, <laughs> Jersey's the way to go. Uh, if you want to stay in New York and, you know. West New York. Yeah, for real. I'm going to start saying that. <laughs> I'm, from the, I'm the, from the upper west, west, west side. <laughs> upper west, west side. Just on the other side of that. <laughs> yeah, just a swim away. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm in Jersey now. It's pretty cool out there. Awesome. I'm going to come back to you. But Andrew, you grew up in New York as well. I'm actually the only person who was who didn't grow up here, but I've spent, I think, the bulk of my adult life in the city. But you're a native New Yorker as well. What? Yep. What? A bit about your background, and then I also kind of want to get into um, what the launch of Plantega and this project means to you. And I'd love for you to like contextualize it to your experiences growing up in the city and what it means, mm -hmm. what life in the city means to you and what Plantega now is doing to that, in your opinion. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I grew up born and raised a New Yorker like Eric as well. Um, Ridgewood, Bushwick area were one of the 
bodega locations where Plantega is located around. Um, and yeah, you know, bodegas are really the, I feel like the heartbeat of New York City. It's one of the things in New York City that never changes. In New York, the landscape is constantly changing. You get new businesses, you get new stores, you get new restaurants, but there's always the local bodega. You, there's always that familiar face of sells you a product um, when, you, when you're, um, you know, whatever you need at any hour of the day. I remember the first time I felt like my, my parents have given me responsibilities when they gave me like a dollar to go to the local <laughs> bodega and buy a bag of chips when I was like maybe eight or nine years old. And they allowed me to do that just because they trusted the local bodega. It was there in the corner. They know who runs it. Um, so I think, you know, I see, you know, bodegas is really the heartbeat of the city, the lifeline. It's a place where everyone congregates regardless of what class you're part of. What's your background, what neighborhood you live in, whether you've been living in a neighborhood, um, a, a bodega is a big part of that. And for someone who's not from New York City and like has no conception of what we're talking about, I guess the easiest way to describe a bodega is your corner store, right? Your independent corner mm-hmm. store that sells all the things you hopefully would need. But in New York, it kind of takes a different meaning, not just the name, but in terms of the, the role that it, it plays in a, in a neighborhood or a community. Totally. Yeah, I would say it's like a community space almost. Mm. Um, it's open 24-7. You have really affordable items like hot food you can purchase there. Um, you know, you can buy dishwashing detergent. <laughs> you can buy hand soap. You can buy a bag of chips. And there's, you know, typically a bodega cat in there as well, where which is illegal by New York <laughs> standards. Yeah. But that's like one thing. I think there's such a cultural iconic thing with bodegas, you know. Yeah, it's true. It's got bodega cats. One one thing you you mentioned the whole like your parents giving you that you know to to go to the store. Um, A lot of kids in the lower income areas grow up single mother, and the bodega owner plays that kind of like kind of like that cool uncle role, where it's (laughs) like if you're gonna go get a candy as a kid, you might not have to pay for it because the owner knows your mother or you know knows. You know, you've been in this yeah, area for you can 10 to 15 years. keep a tab with the bodega yeah, guy. There'll be times <laughs> where, like, you go down, you're like, hey, man, uh, I have the money upstairs. Can I take this now? And without a mm-hmm. doubt, he'll he'll let you take whatever items you need, and you can come back and, and, and pay him when you, when you have it. And that plays a big role in, you know, low-income areas. That's, get that that's, connection that's really. so fascinating. Mm-hmm. And it's also, like, one of the few places where you can um, – if you don't have – you were describing the kind of products they sell, but it's one mm-hmm. of those places where if they don't have a product, you – you got to just tell them and they'll be like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll, 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 I'll carry them yeah. if there's demand well, for this. Yeah, 100%. If people want it, sure, I'll start. Uh, they'll find a way to get it then. Mm-hmm. So it's the – I've always – I can tell you my experience more. I, I didn't grow up here, but I, when I moved here for law school, um, New York is such a strange place in that sense. It's like any big city, but New York is its own unique version of it um, where I felt like – I would go to the pretty much the same coffee shops and the same stores in my neighborhood and no one would even pretend like they recognized me. But the only mm. guys who I felt like <laughs> knew <Seen> me by. <laughs> were the bodega <laughs> owners. Yeah. And not just like when I would obviously show up there. Uh, sometimes I'd be too lazy to walk down two blocks and so I'd, I'd, I'd call them up and order in mm. a sandwich or something and they would recognize my voice. <laughs> and so it's, it's one of those like we're in this giant city where most people tend to 
live their lives within a few blocks radius and that becomes your little neighborhood. Uh, the one of the few places where you can get that that mm-hmm. community feel is is the the bodegas. And some people may not even like recognize that or acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. But now that I actually look back, it it became so clear to me that how that I had my favorite bodega and I would mm-hmm. be loyal to him only because partly because the I mean the food was great, he had everything I needed, but also he was kind of nice to me yeah. <laughs> when when no one was nice to me in the city. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, you know, let's uh so Andrew, how what is your connection to we know Eric and you know he his vegan journey led him to start this Instagram account that's so unique and and amazing. And has led him to do other interesting things, like get involved in restaurants, and of course now working on Plantega. What was your connection to food, and how is like food being an important? Like, where do you see food fitting into the the stuff that you? I know you're passionate about a lot of things. So where mm-hmm. where does food fit into this this tapestry of passions you have? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, I, I feel like food falls within the culture space. Food for me is like what connects us all as human beings to each other, and something. We can, you know, for a delicious meal that's really good, everyone could agree on and share that experience together. And that makes us feel more connected as human beings sharing space together. And so for me, you know, I started my plant-based journey about three years ago. And, you know, I, at first, you know, when I was younger, you, you may have this similar story, Eric, where like I used to tease my friends who were like plant-based or vegan growing up. And oh, yeah. culturally, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't something that was very widely accepted. And that's one thing that really excites me about Plantega is that we're making it culturally acceptable for it to be plant-based in New York City, especially for people of color, where my, my grandparents, my family still feels me being plant-based is a fad. It's something that's going to come and go. It's, you know, Andrew's onto his new thing now. It's, he's, it's going to, you know, a couple years from now, he's going to forget about it. But, you know, not until, and I think once I'm starting to have more, you know, impactful, thoughtful conversations about veganism and my culture, my family's from Puerto Rico. Um, and so now as my, my family members are getting older, they're running to health problems, it's allowing me to have like another conversation about mm-hmm. plant-based and veganism that I didn't, and a different context that I didn't get to have before. Um, but for me, like food is such a, like a, a cultural connector, especially plant-based. I, I feel like, um, you know, it, it's really allowed me to have more ownership over my, my health and and who who I am as a per- person and how I even culturally identify with the world, but especially really owning my my personal health. And that's what the yeah. power of plant based eating has provided me. Yeah. Eric, did you get a lot of? Obviously, I know you got some pushback initially when you chose to eat salad instead of pork chops. <laughs> um, yeah. But you know, how have what do people think about it now that you've been you've been eating this way for a few years and you're kind of this is the space. You're sort of focused in, like, much like Andrew said, people who knew me thought this was going to be a phase that would pass. Here I am Mm -hmm. a decade later now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I took a left turn in my career because of uh, my food choices. And sounds like, Eric, the same thing happened with you as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Friends used to make sure they ate before coming to my house (laughs) because they knew I was going to try to get them to eat some vegan food. Uh, and now it's the total opposite. They come to my house hungry. Like if I say I'm going to have a get together, the first thing is like, what are you cooking? Compared to when I first went plant-based, there was like, do not give me that. That's not meat. That's not <laughs> real cheese. I don't know. 
I don't want any of this science experiment. Like they were super against everything. And now it's total opposite. If if they're having a get together, they're expecting me to bring something over mm-hmm. that's vegan so they can try. So it did a whole 360 uh, from my surroundings. Yeah, but what do you think is sort of missing in not just New York City, but in general with the the plant-based movement? I mean, I think... It's obviously super hyped up right now. It is been more popular than ever, and that's that's great. We've you know just we're we're sitting here. It's mid November, and you know Pizza Hut now has plan mm-hmm. a plan based option, and McDonald's is going to come out with something. Um, this was unthinkable just a few years ago, and now all of that is pretty. It, it seems to be catching on. It's very very cool and very hip to be into plant based foods. Yeah, but at the same time, you know. There's a lot to plant-based eating and a lot of reasons why one needs to eat. One should consider eating at least more plants and you don't have to be entirely plant-based. What do you think is sort of missing from the food culture right now um, that hopefully Plantega can, you know, I'm not saying solve for, but maybe contribute to in some way? For me, I think it's convenience. Mm. If you go to any area, they have the same things there. There's bodegas, there's a liquor store, there's, you know, all these areas have the same exact thing, which makes it convenient for them to go to any other area and still eat these foods and buy these items. Um, So convenience, I think, is the number one thing. Now with Plantega providing these uh, items in a cooler and doing the grill menu, that convenience of being able to say, oh, I can't go plant-based because I eat all my breakfasts or lunches from a bodega before I get on the train, that convenience is taken care of now because of Plantega. And I feel like if we can not change things for people, per se, like get rid of the uh, bacon, egg, and cheese and put a salad, but if we can make a plant-based version where people are still getting these familiar textures and flavors, that's what's going to you know m- make the change. And I feel like with Plantega, we're really focus on that and it's you know only time will heal that wound yeah and just to to add to that as well i think one thing about having it making it more convenient is that we're we're also showing people that hey this food is also for you i think the plant-based advertising it's you know you you know you can get plant-based food guaranteed at whole foods or like your organic natural food store but if it's at your bodega you're we're saying hey this food is also for you it's not just for you know the traditional demographic for plant-based mm-hmm. food this is for you know people who shop primarily shop at bodegas and that's where they get their food from and i think that cultural or that mind sh- mindset shift is super powerful where people start seeing themselves who are like hey I could be plant-based. This isn't just for the health and wellness crowd or the yogi crowd. Yeah. This is for me too. And I think that's something very subtle but can be really impactful. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting, right? How And I noticed this early in the years when I started to focus on plant-based food is that some most people treated it almost like it was a new type of cuisine, which it isn't, right? Mm-hmm. You can make anything plant-based. But a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, I like eating in vegan restaurants, too. Like, as mm-hmm. if they were like, yeah, I go to Italian restaurants and I go to the vegan restaurant. <laughs> uh, and, and because I think it kind of had this connotation of like, oh, that's the, the healthier restaurant. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the crunchy, yeah. cool, whatever. Maybe first it used to be where the hippies went and ate mm-hmm. and then it became where the hipsters went and ate. <laughs> yeah. um, and so it, it kind of was – I feel like plant-based eating was – and I think that's been shifting in the last few years thanks to a lot of the popularity of 
plant-based meats and burgers and stuff. But it for many years, I would say, uh, at least up till about 2015, it had this idea that plant-based food was like the the health food. Plant-based mm-hmm. food was just you know salads and you know mm-hmm. bowls and maybe a few other things, avocado toast or whatever. And and then there was other types of food. Like if you mm-hmm. want to eat a decadent uh, dinner or you mm-hmm. want to go and like just grab a quick sandwich, most people were not thinking about doing the plant-based option. Yeah. And I think what's what's starting to happen now, and I still think we have a long, long, long way to go, obviously, is that, and, and I think this is when real change happens, is when you when you just, you have you have different kinds of cuisines that have always existed, culturally mm-hmm. relevant for different cultures and ethnicities. Um, and you can eat any food you want to eat. It just so happens mm-hmm. to be plant-based, yeah. right? Just the, the yeah. baseline ingredients and have changed. The flavors too. don't change, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. The flavors don't change. The nutrition doesn't change. In fact, maybe it's even better for you. Mm-hmm. So I, I, for me, that's the... Because when you talk about food and health... And talk about it about like how it can you know make you feel better and and make you prevent heart disease and diabetes mm-hmm. and all those amazing benefits of eating plants. You sometimes miss the point that food is a lot more than just fuel for people. Food is culture. Mm-hmm. Food is habit. Food is comfort. Mm-hmm. And so, if you want people to embrace plant-based food or your core ingredients, you just have to give them everything that they already love and just yeah. put it in a plant-based package, <laughs> right? So, yeah, totally. and, I, and I think that's the part that I think some people are argue, but is this better or is this worse? And is our, our plant-based burgers really the solution to everything? And the point is, you're not going to get everyone to eat salads overnight yeah. and you're not going to no replace really the bacon, egg, and cheese yeah. with a celery mm-hmm. juice and mm-hmm. voila, problem solved. It, that's just not how the world mm-hmm. works and just not... It's just generally not how people are. Yeah, I love how you just explained all of that because I always get asked that question. It's like, oh, that's cool, but is that healthier? Oh, is that cool, but this and it's this. And it's like you said, it's a step. It's, you know, a process. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to share this yeah, just so people it, can hear that, what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also, you know, you've. it is um, – I think for years people have been uh, trying to convince people to eat plant-based. Um, and I think – a lot of it has worked, um, but then some people just are not convinced mm-hmm. and will never be convinced. And I, this, I've always, and I'm, I'm not saying I, I thought of this, but the solution is don't convince, don't try to change people's minds. Just change the environment in which they buy food. Mm-hmm. Give them what they already love and just just make the plant-based option the default choice yeah. there. Yeah, and make it taste delicious. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And put it in Exciting. places. And so that kind of describes Plantega and why, mm-hmm. you know, this process and this of creating this project and launching it has been super fascinating. It's almost like this getting getting to run an experiment of sorts where let's take the the least focused upon food environment where in in neighborhoods that mm-hmm. no one no big food tech company or venture capitalists are thinking about. <laughs> yeah. And let's bring, let's let's not change anything over there. Let's just mm-hmm. give them what they are used mm-hmm. to, and but let's just introduce options in the same, um, I would say, in the same uh, packaging and and format and flavors in a familiar package yeah. that they're used to. It just so happens to be made of plant based ingredients and featuring some of the biggest plant based brands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eric, I know you've been kind of 
at the forefront trying to get us um even get get bodegas on board in the beginning convince them that this that they should even allow us into their yeah. doors like tell <laughs> us what those conversations were like and and what was eventually why what convinced them that this was the right thing for them to try at least uh most of the uh conversations went like talk to the owner <laughs> that was the number one response i got um but the ones that did agree you know we we locked down three that we're currently working with there's a few other ones that are you know definitely open f- for us to work with but it was kind of difficult because bodega owners deal with so much behind the counter. They have customers coming in, inspection coming in, inventory coming in, salesmen coming in. Uh, so, you know, trying to pitch to to a bodega owner this concept, um, they, they all had that same kind of response where it's like people always ask for plant-based. I have no idea where to start, what products are good, price margins. They have no idea about any of the back-end stuff. They just know that some people ask for vegan stuff, um, and the few vegan options that they do have does 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 pretty well at the bodegas. Um, so just showing them photos and statistics and things like that, and even going to the bodegas with something for them to try um, was the easiest way. And kind of like what you just mentioned, it's not about the whole convincing. It's more about experiencing. Mm-hmm. So instead of going to the bodegas and trying to convince them, I would bring something to for them to try to have an experience to say like I've never had a grilled cheese like this before instead of it instead of me just saying hey you have to have a vegan grilled cheese it's mm-hmm. so it's totally the same having them experience these things um yeah that for me that was the, the the best way to make the connections once they got to experience it everything else just fell right into place yeah and you know this idea of us we're not trying to take away anything from what they're doing we're adding to it so you know the but at the same time, while that sounds good in theory, they still have to trust us to be able to deliver on something oh, yeah. that they don't know much about. Um, so I, I think that has been a and continues to be an interesting learning experience the more time I spend <laughs> yeah. with the bodega owners and understand what makes them tick. And it's 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 super fascinating that you know they're they're very resilient and they're up against a lot of competition. I mean, the very fact that we still have so many bodegas in the city. Totally. It's I'm crazy. Surprised. There's no like VH1 yeah. bodega show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Reality bodega yeah. show? Oh, there's got to be. It has Man, to be man one of that's those. the next project. I think we should, we should do that. Yeah. It's, it's but they're, a, they're low margin businesses. There's mm-hmm. no off days of bodegas. These, these bodega 24/7. owners. 24-7. No off days, no off time. Yeah, no vacation. It's, it's a tough business to yeah. run overall. And and the cool thing is that they're usually owned by families, and that's kind of why they treat their community this like that same family respect because mm-hmm. they know that you're going to be coming to this store and if the owners are here you'll be making that purchase through his son through his nephew mm-hmm. through his niece so they they show that love because they know like you're like they're like almost welcoming you into their own home because mm-hmm. this is where their family spends most of their time at you know this is where yeah. a lot of them have all their his chips kids put working in. behind the counter yeah the kids do yeah. their homeworks there yeah. i used to have a buddy that his parents owned the bodega and we'll hang out by the bodega do some homework outside and my mom never had to call to make sure I was okay or make sure the homework wasn't done or anything like that. <laughs> it all it all mm-hmm. plays a huge yeah, role. Community, community space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what what do you think the you know, I you know, we're going into this 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 sort of three big benefits or at least in our mind of why this this needs to happen, right? One is we give bodega owners a new source of revenue. We kind of give them a little boost. Um 
and add again not take away anything from what they're doing but add an element that's more that's very culturally relevant right now and, and introducing foods that would typically not be in that bodega and try to get them those products at a cost that they they think they can actually make some money out of um so there's a benefit to the bodega owners to keep them improve their business conditions uh then of course we are bringing in plant-based brands, so we're sort of in some ways creating a new distribution opportunity or at least testing out a new distribution opportunity for plant-based brands that are right now all focused on the Whole Foods or the mm-hmm. McDonald's and the Pizza Huts yeah, and everyone else. More mainstream. But then more importantly, you know, I, this is the part I want to get both of your take on is uh, how do you think the, the – and there's no way to know. And, and I'm not speaking of the vegans in these neighborhoods because let's – you know some of the neighborhoods where these bodegas are as far as i know there aren't that many vegans uh at least uh, it seems like there wouldn't be many vegans um how do you think the community is responding so far i know it's very early or, or what are we what are we hoping to see like what like andrew what do you think someone who grew up in um in the in the bushwick na- neighborhood uh, we'll walk into that bodega and suddenly sees a plantega cooler and our menu there with like a breakfast mm-hmm. sandwich that is all plant-based. And maybe they're not plant-based. How do you think they'll react to mm-hmm. that? Would it be like skepticism? I, I think, Laughter? <laughs> you know, I think there, there's probably some early on skepticism, but yeah. I think what we're we're really surprising people with, with this, especially how thoughtfully prepared the menus are, the products that we have in there. And, and these are some of the best plant-based products out in the market that we're providing at a more affordable cost to people in the community. So I think we're, we're surprising them in terms of the deliciousness and how how these are actually enjoyable products to have. And so I think once, you know, once we can get them on, hey, having this type of food that I normally eat is just as good, but it's plant-based, so it's likely better for me. I think that's the first thing to the sort of the first thing to knock off. And then after that, people start sort of diving in deeper, understanding the 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 connection between plant-based and other you know, whether there's other passion areas for them, whether that's like having control over their diet or their food or food sovereignty or climate, people, you know, for me, it was sort of like a, a plant-based vegan rabbit hole. You know, once I got over that, hey, you know, this food is delicious. Once I jumped into the rabbit hole, I started connecting my diet to other passion areas, other things that interested me as well. And that's what really locked me into sort of being plant-based. And so I'm hoping that that'll be this similar journey for a lot of people. And, and what has been kind of for some of my family members that are so used to, you know, everything, everything we eat has to have some massive portion of meat, whether that's steak, pork chop, chicken, and rice and beans, and some avocado, you know, having, having them taste the food and really enjoying it. And then they start thinking about, hey, this is my, see, my health is performing, is improving, you know, and start thinking about everyone is starting to think a bit more about climate change. And they realize the connection between plant-based and climate. So I'm hoping this is like the, the first stage of a plant-based rabbit hole for people Mm -hmm. and really surprising individuals within that first phase. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like to change the, you break, you know, the idea is again, break the taste barrier, the cost barrier, the access, the convenience barrier, because you you get it where you'll normally buy a food. And then if maybe, I don't know, two months later, they, they read something about how uh, changing your diet or eating more plant forward is is good mm-hmm. way to combat climate change. 
they'll think back at the moment where oh I, i've tried that and it is pretty easy mm-hmm. and it's actually pretty tasty yeah. so why wouldn't i why wouldn't i lean more in that direction right mm-hmm. and i think today most of the people who bring up the defenses against um you know shifting diets to plant based whether it is for health or the environment is usually because they in their minds think there's no way they can eat that food. Mm-hmm. So automatically the defenses go up and say, let's find other ways to shift to renewable energy or something else as a way to combat climate change. Let's, I don't know, focus on... on uh, Single-use plastic or... Yeah, you know. or reducing methane emissions mm-hmm. from cows by feeding them kelp or whatever yeah, little yeah. tiny solution. Anything to <laughs> avoid patchwork. eating a salad, right? Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. no one wants to eat a salad, <laughs> yeah. uh, unfortunately, it seems like. So it's... it's, it's um, yeah, and that's why I think we were also very focused on not trying to preach to people. And the bodega, we aren't out mm-hmm. there handing flyers on on going vegan. Not that that's necessarily a wrong thing to do, but it's just not for this project. I think it doesn't make sense. Um, but then, you know, I want to I want to get get to this. But I think what we we talked about right in the beginning, uh, and it became clear that the way to test this out was to do to keep kind of a hybrid model where we would. Uh, not just put a cooler with products in there that people can buy, but also have items on the grill menu for the bodegas mm-hmm. that have the grills where people can maybe, maybe they'll try one sandwich and then they'll be like, wait, what's this product? And then they can look at the cooler and hopefully buy it and try it at home. And so there's ways to see how all of this works out. We don't mm-hmm. actually know, right? We may have to find out that people just want to eat the sandwiches and yeah. they don't really care about what's in the cooler. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and if people sort of, this is their first step and they're just taking one meal out of their whole week that's plant-based, that is a, a step in the right direction. And, yeah. and you, once you start doing that, that creates a domino effect. Yeah. And why should people um, in in neighborhoods like the part of the Bronx where we are partnered with that bodega, the only, why should they have to walk into a, a, a bodega and the only option they have is to get meat and and eggs and dairy that is not just meat eggs and dairy because that in itself is a can be a problem for numerous reasons but the but the probably the worst kind mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. cheapest the most uh, all undoubtedly coming from factory farms <laughs> definitely yeah. bodega meat is not your fine yeah. grass-fed yeah. meat if you're if you're <laughs> not organic if, yeah so so why should that be the only option instead mm-hmm. we're bringing high quality plant-based ingredients that right now you can only get in for the most part at least in this 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 time we are and it'll change down the line but is only mostly available in 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 places like whole foods and other big box grocery mm-hmm. stores and most of these neighborhoods don't have big grocery stores some some yeah, have none have, they don't have none my w- one thing i really like about what plantega is doing too is it's planting that seed that's going to grow to be what it's going to be whether it's going to be People seeing the cooler and knowing on the in the back of their head, like, oh, there's plant-based mayo here. You know, when I finish my mayo, maybe I'll come and, and grab this. Or, you know, it being a norm for kids to go to bodegas and seeing that there's plant-based options. You know, uh, I have a two-year-old, so now bringing her to these stores when she's 10 years old, she can honestly say, I've been seeing plant-based options in bodegas my whole life. Mm. That would be a norm mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like plantega is... You know, doing an amazing job with these three locations, and you know, if we play the cards right, it, it can benefit so many people in so many different ways and become the new norm for bodegas and for the people that live in these communities. Yeah, for you know, again, let's not assume everyone listening to this has been to New York, 
been to a bodega or realized that what they were walking into was called a bodega, or maybe not tried something from a grill menu. I want to talk about the food, right? So mm. we we can obviously we know we have the cooler and we're stocking products from eight different brands um, in the cooler, and then there are three of them that are shelf stable products that that are available in the stores. But we've spent the last week or so finalizing a pretty small menu, but a very uh, I think that menu packs a punch. It's oh, yeah. it's like everything, every every little. There's only four big items on that menu, and it's it's all the iconic things that you would get in a bodega. <laughs> the classics. So, let's start off with, uh, for the sake of everyone listening, what is a chopped cheese sandwich, and and how have we made it plant based? Because that. I think the chopped cheese has nailed it. That's one. Yeah. But I think all four of them are amazing. <laughs> but but that's the winner in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, chopped cheese is – it always hits the home run. Uh, yeah. Well, so what is a chopped cheese sandwich? So it's usually made with uh, a regular uh, beef burger patty and it gets chopped up and cooked with uh, – I, I wanted you to t- explain why – how it even – how at least how you told me how the chopped cheese came about in the bodegas. It was – and the reason why they decided to chop it up. Yeah, so they, they chopped it up to try to make it a bigger sandwich. Um, and then also it was like pieces of other burger parts that they couldn't make <laughs> one burger. So they just tossed everything on on there. And um, yeah, it, it was created. It's, it's legit the New York version of like a Philly cheesesteak. So it's the uh, – we're currently using a Beyond Burger chopped up. We cook it with diced white onions and uh, some peppers. And then once it's, I'll say about 80, 90% done, uh, we get some follow your heart cheese in there. That all gets chopped up and cooked up together. Cheese melts in between, you know, all the onions, all the Beyond Meat. Uh, and then it's on a toasted roll or a hero. You get a uh, follow your heart mayo on it, lettuce, tomatoes, and uh, the home run. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds it, it it sounds simple, but the end result is kind of a unique. I don't know. It's like a kind of unique taste. Yeah, whenever I like I uh, serving someone their first chopped cheese, they're always happy. But it's like a certain level of happiness of like, oh, this is cool, a different sandwich. You know, it smells great. I'm excited. But then like once they take that first bite, that's it. They're standing up. They're yelling. They're taking. They're <laughs> calling people. Yeah, it's it's a total game changer, and um, I'm I'm super glad that it's a New York staple sandwich. Cause. Yeah, and it started at bodegas, right? Yeah, in like uh-huh. Upper Manhattan. Yeah, either in Harlem or the Bronx, one of those yeah. one of those uh, areas, but definitely a New York staple. Yeah, yeah, and so yesterday was a was a big day for me because I one of my when, when this whole plantega idea when Eric we were talking about bodegas when we were working on the Food Fighters Collective, we'll leave that story for mm-hmm. another day, but. Um, when, when we started to connect the dots between, oh, all right, bodegas, plant-based food, I knew, and I didn't, I probably didn't say it aloud, but I knew my, I, I wanted a breakfast sausage, egg, and cheese sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what I, I was like, if you can get me that. I need to make this company. Then so that's reason enough for me to work for three months <laughs> on on pulling off this seemingly impossible task as quickly as we did it. Yeah. And and yesterday, the dream uh, came true, and I finally, at the bodega. Neil looked like nice. he was in Disneyland. Ate my first Beyond dream Sausage. It was, so it was Beyond uh, Sausage, mm-hmm. uh, Just Egg. Um, what else? Oh, the follow your heart follow cheese. Follow your heart cheese uh, on a roll with a little bit of uh, ketchup, 
which just, I think it, and that that role itself, the bodega role, has yeah. its own unique taste that to it. Current, that nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, texture, which Andrew, you still haven't around. tried it, um, so we got to go fix yeah. that right after Let's this podcast. Never had it yet. But no, no, Let's go no. Right now. So he only tasted <laughs> the chopped cheese because we were in the Bronx the other day, mm. and and then I also tried the. Well, I've just been eating this week, but I also tried the the deli sandwich. Yeah, the deli sandwich is really good. Which nice. is another, another home run in my yeah, opinion yeah. because it has like what tofurkey deli slices. Mm-hmm. It's like all the best plant based products combined into. This unique offering. And the best, my favorite part of this whole thing, amongst many, uh, was yesterday trying to explain, watching the watching the guy behind the grill in, in the Bushwick, oh, yeah. Brooklyn location, <laughs> who barely spoke any English, just uh, trying to get him to like understand what we were trying yeah. to get him to do. And he's like, so, all right, this is how you cook. Like he's used to him doing what he does mm-hmm. on the grill every day. And now we're giving him these new ingredients that look all like meat, egg, and cheese. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, no, no, no. Just make sure you only use these. When someone orders the plant-based version, yeah, only don't that. mess that up. Mm-hmm. Don't Give them only this. I love how happy he <laughs> his face was when he seen you eat this thing. It's like he was watching now. Mm. Like curious because he hasn't, I'm pretty sure it was like one of the first ones we made. So he hasn't had it. He hasn't had it either. So Neil goes and takes the first bite and the guy just smiles. (laughs) Like, wow, this guy must love it. And yeah, it's really good. It's, it does not, I'm so um, confident in this menu that I feel like if we do a blind test, vegan, -vegan, non-vegan, it would be such an amazing video. People yeah. will get things wrong, um, not knowing which totally. one is vegan and which one isn't vegan because it's, it's just so good. It's There's nothing where like you can point out a specific flavor or a certain kind of texture that's missing. Mm-hmm. The textures are there. The flavors are there. It's the same bread, you know, same s- s- uh, sliced tomatoes, the way the lettuce is sliced. Everything is the same. It's a different product, but like mm-hmm. you're not missing out on anything. Yeah, and it's also amazing that we live in this time that these products have come this far. That we have companies that have have literally mm-hmm. nailed the 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 taste, the texture yep, totally. of all these products. That we are. I mean, I I also think just last year we wouldn't have been able to do that breakfast sausage egg and cheese sandwich. Like the the yeah. just egg f- didn't really the folded version at least didn't exist for food service, and so you know it's only going to get better. And we're just we're able to re- recreate an iconic bodega sandwich and or sandwiches um and actually now get people to try it and see and really laugh at us or just be like whoa this mm-hmm. is the best thing ever and i <laughs> i'm ready for whatever feedback yeah. we get and that's part of why we're doing this right so it's it's super exciting and you know andrew i want you know you're not you don't live in new york city at the moment mm-hmm. which is but i think you felt it in the last couple of days since you've come here and you've kind of you saw the cooler totally in action after months of us planning this mm-hmm. how was that how was that feeling for you it was amazing honestly because we we've talked so much about this there's so much planning and doing it and bodegas are so iconic and just to see a plantega cooler with the products in a bodega was unbelievable i was just so excited just to see it with the branding and just knowing people in the community um checking out the the cooler and not really knowing the backstory or how much effort definitely old to both of you hustling on this um making this happen to get this get this um having those options in their their community so it was you know i'm i'm really excited what's to come I, you know i really view plant based food as food of the future 
Like anyone who's eating plant-based food right now is eating the diet of probably what we're going to be eating 15, 20 years mm-hmm. in the future just because we kind of have to. And mm-hmm. even, you know, the innovation is going to even be even better by then. So to provide that to communities that are typically overlooked, you know, will you know, we'll eventually get it at some point in the future, but to provide them to it now when it's still in the early adopter phase, to me, that's phenomenal. And, and to me, that's like the, the ethos and values of Plantega of, you know, we've got your back, you know, everyday people who, you know, power in New York City, the hustle of it, we've got your back, we've got Plantega food, the food of the, the, food of the future is now available for you at your local bodega. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, and I again, we we are just getting started with this, mm-hmm. and um, I think there's a lot to learn and a lot of mistakes to be made, of course. And I think that's that's part of the whole process, right? And I, and I think to be able to enjoy every step of the way is is what's super important to me. So I just like the like you just said, Eric, earlier about the reaction on on his face when I tasted it, something that the the guy who made it himself had probably not eaten the sandwich <laughs> yet. <laughs> I hope he made one for himself. Yeah, after. I think after that commercial you gave him, I'm pretty, <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure he watches leave and went straight to the girl. To yeah, he was like, going on "What is up with these guys? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why don't they want the regular? Why don't they want the regular sandwich?" <laughs> yeah. um, but it was also another moment that stood out for me, and this was like the the first day when we were we were actually installing the the coolers at the locations, and to see. Um, um, the owner of the the Fulton? location in Fulton in, yeah. in East New York literally start to f- FaceTime her family. <laughs> yeah, that was oh, wow. that was such a like beautiful and organic reaction and experience that me and uh Neil was uh, able to, to to witness. The cooler was there and you know, we started taking the plastic off and you know putting it in place and she just calls everyone on FaceTime, like, my new vegan cooler, and like showing everyone and telling everybody that we're her new best friends. And she was super <laughs> excited, calling people in Dominican Republic to show them no. there's vegan butter now at her store. And I'm like That's 99% crazy. sure she's never felt that <laughs> with any other item getting placed in that bodega. Mm-hmm. This little fridge yeah. just produced mm. so much happiness and you know so much you know excitement for the future. Um, in a place that people usually would never expect it to go to. Mm-hmm. And that was honestly like me and Neil uh, said it that same night, but it was definitely worth it all. Like seeing the happiness of, of the owner, knowing that this can help her, you know, run the business. The money yeah. that can be made in this can go to mm-hmm. her kid's college tuition, like mm-hmm. paying the rent. And, you know, that really, I, I definitely was heading home that night with that on my mind the whole entire time mm-hmm. and thinking, like, I cannot wait to customers are experiencing that same type of feeling and other bodega owners can f- express that same type of feeling too. Yeah, and, I, and you know, we've got only got three um, bodegas for this pilot period of, of Plantega, and which is, I think, great because you get to actually develop personal relationships with these bodega owners where you they each have such unique stories and each of their locations are, and their bodegas are also very unique. Yeah. None of them are the same. Um and in getting to know all of them, they're each they're all just driven by the same thing. They want to be successful, they want to support their community, and they've just gone through a pretty rough I mean this whole city has gone through a rough patch oh, yeah. mm-hmm. in the time of COVID. Let's let's address the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. There's still a pandemic out mm-hmm. there and we have launched this in the middle of it in the city where you know, yeah. if you ask anyone else in the rest of America, they hear that New York is yeah, yeah. people is are running out of here. Yep. 
so what is like what is, I think there's a there's so many reasons why uh I want to I want them to succeed with this project. Yeah. I want to see I, I personally I spent we spent the last week right trying to understand what can we do to get them to be just 150% behind this so we can make them successful. And yeah. we realized like we're almost like in partnership now and invested in making sure that this actually transforms. And we're starting to see that. If you look at the bodega in the Bronx, I think that was the first mover. I mean, they've, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I feel like I just go there now to chat with the owner <laughs> because, <laughs> and to see like what, what is going on in that bodega because everything's starting to sell out there pretty quickly. Yeah. Everything in the, in the Plantega cooler. And he's, you know, he he hadn't even launched our menu items, but I can, I totally see those are going to really be very popular as well. So just to be able to kind of find out each of them and their unique personalities and their unique approaches to doing business uh, and, and almost being like the, the ambassadors for us, like they are ambassadors, they are our influencers. Actually, mm-hmm. I know we have other influencers helping us too, <laughs> totally. but but they're highly influential in the in that community <laughs> itself. You know, as we were talking about earlier, how they play, they're essentially like a role model. They know everyone yeah. there, and so you know, if the bodega's owner's word is is there in terms of these products, in terms of what's on the grill, it, it means so much in terms of credibility and probably the relationship they have with Plantega is very untraditional compared to the other products that they have that they carry within their their shop overall like they you know the other products that they carry it doesn't have a brand rep there mm-hmm. that is very easily accessible that's there to help explain the products there to help train their staff and and employees and i think that that tight knit tight knit relationship is you know, I, I think going into this, we realize the cultural and community relevance of bodegas and to respect that power that bodegas have in the community and oh. try to walk in la- lockstep with them instead of trying to lead them, but walking with them. And that, mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, made a difference in, you know, the rollout and the impact of the work itself. Yeah. And the, the, these bodega owners, I, I witnessed it uh, firsthand, like they agreed because they you know, they think like, hey, this could be cool for the community. Yeah, but yeah, vegan thing is cool. I know I can make money on this. They all accepted this with, you know, a financial thing being the forefront. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, after teaching them every time, you know, one of us are there and they see the community, you know, caring about the products they, they, they buy, it's the health is now getting pushed to the forefront and the business aspect of why they originally were doing this is kind of going in the back. Um, and that is going to reflect on how they show these products to the community. It's it's going to mm-hmm. be, oh, you know, get the vegan mayo. It's only four fifty. You know, to you should try the vegan mayo. It doesn't have X, Y, and Z, and you know, mm-hmm. better for your health and, and things yeah. of that nature. So I really think that, like you know, like you mentioned, it them kind of being a, an ambassador, but them seeing the vision so quickly mm-hmm. from hey, this was a business thing to now. People walk in and like you know Abdul in, in, in the mm-hmm. Bronx, he loves when people are are excited that he has vegan options. Mm-hmm. Like if you go there and someone walks in, like you got Beyond Meat, like he smiles, like yeah, I got Beyond Meat, and it's not a financial thing; it's more like a health thing. And he's also even you know taking plant based more serious in his life, and you know he has a family, and he was talking to me about it, and it, it's cool to see how the bodega owners can really and uh, express and uh, genuinely put the main reasons that we're doing this out there yeah it, it is making it I, I didn't you know conceptualizing this project 
you can only think about these i i mean you can it's you're being conceptual right it's not you don't know practically how any of this is going to work um it's i don't know it's far exceeded the uh, what i expected in terms of the amount of satisfaction it's given me personally i can only speak for myself but and i and i definitely know you guys share this feeling is that the and i and in some ways i think it surprised me how more committed i became to the project the moment i stepped into one of those locations and i met one of the owners mm-hmm. and i saw the people walking in and and buying products or you know trying something from the grill and to see it actually they they not only did they value the addition of these cool products in their store that normally were not there i think they're starting to value that it is in we aren't coming there representing some I don't know, giant entity who's who's mm-hmm. uh, who's pulling the strings, and so I like Abdo and Abdo in the Bronx was telling me, he was asking me, he's like, so who, so which which like who are the guys doing? And I was like, you're talking to them, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's us. us, the guys who are bringing you the products and loading your fridge, mm-hmm. uh, are the same guys who are doing the planning in the background and making a decision about yeah. what happens next, and and in a way, it's kind of, you know, I could see him like. That doesn't make sense. You're shitting <laughs> me, right? So, um, I think they're just not used to that. They're just used to being like. Give you an example. He was trying to get plant-based products into his bodega before we showed up there. Yeah, and it's really tough for independent retailers to and do. And I won't. I won't bore people with the what, the reasons why it's basically the food system is set up in a way where distributors. Uh, buy products from manufacturers and they mark it up and they sell it to big retailers and the way they can make a decent amount of money and make their business model successful is they have minimum orders and so it's only like big box retailers or big grocery stores that can afford to place giant orders Mm -hmm. while tiny bodegas who barely have any storage space Mm -hmm. hardly any shelf space can't place those size of orders they don't have the money to do that um, so they get left out, and plus it, they get priced out also, and so they have to end up paying more to acquire these products. And so, Abdo, for example, in the Bronx was because he realized there was a demand for these these foods in in his community, was starting to go to to grocery stores and buy plant based products on <laughs> discount from as a re, uh, he's uh, a he's a retailer himself. He was going to. Target and other places yep. to try to find discounted shows products. Shows you the system is broken. Yeah, <laughs> if you have to do, go and do that. And the fact that he's not—he's not doing it to make a profit because it's mm-hmm. not much of a profit. If you're buying it from another retailer, like yeah. you're not making much money. And you know, he just fought it out, and he even mentioned to me he had some thoughts of like maybe not doing this bodega anymore. And mm-hmm. luckily, we came in the perfect time, and he was like, you know, Plantega was a big inspiration for me to keep going and. Knowing that I can work directly with these companies, you know, really makes him feel at ease for his for himself, his his business, and you know, he has a family to take care of too. Yeah, and you know, I think that's why at this stage, early on in our journey um, of this project and whatever comes of it, I think I I just want us to approach it from a standpoint of um, let's just do the best we can to make them successful because if they see success it means mm-hmm. obviously the community is buying the products and they like it and then we can find ways to continue to support them going forward and i think that that really is the laser focus that that needs to happen in, in the next few months okay. um but you know what would you you know if uh if all goes well 
you know, besides the, the 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 details of it, like we've got to untie several knots that exist in to make this something like a scalable model, right? We've, we've we're not going to suddenly you know disrupt mm-hmm. the entire distribution system, but we can find a way to make it hopefully work for these independent. Uh, store owners who desperately need the help in the time of COVID, and generally, as they like in New York, they're up against the likes of like CVS and Rite Aid mm-hmm. and uh, opening all around them. That's also twenty four seven with a lot more funding, mm-hmm. oh, and yeah. basically threatening the existence of of bodegas. But that has been the case now for several years. But still, they've they've survived. I like being on. I've always loved supporting. The underdogs. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So me as well. Life. All of us, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're doing this project. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, so if I can be on their side, helping boost their chances of survival in the years ahead, and consequently, of course, the downstream impacts on the people buying the products and shifting their diets. That's that's kind of at the highest level what success looks like to me, and and the details of it, of course, will will be figured out. Those are those are just you know that that those are finer points that need to be tweaked but the big vision is is still pretty clear well, I, I mean i want both of you to share your own individual kind of perspectives on this um not just practically from the standpoint of running and making plantega successful but also what it means to you personally what would success kind of look like to you andrew <laughs> <laughs> that's a i feel like it's a big question but you know for me is it's Especially, you know, I, I feel people of color when it comes to plant-based and veganism, they're constantly overlooked, but also some of the most interested, eager to try something new that's going to be better for them and better for their community and, and those around them. And to have a project that specifically is for that audience, and of course there isn't like one monolithic person of color of experience, but really even, you know, targeting those different demographics within people of color, showing that, hey, these plant-based products are for you. And then we're also, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful, fingers crossed, that we can continue doing this project and not something where we're just in the community and then we end up leaving, but showing, hey, we, you know, we've, you both especially have invested so much time getting to know the community, getting to know the bodega owners, and really being a fixture in those communities through food and through education and plant-based diet, I think is extremely powerful. And to continue that on after our short pilot, um, I think is, it could be really powerful. Um, so that's what, what excites me the most. Um, I think, you know, the plant-based advertising is oversaturated when it comes to, you know, targeting one specific audience that I won't mention <laughs> yes. that I've been, you know, um, glazing over. But I, I think, you know, people of color really are super fascinated and, and interested in eating it. And I'm really interested in other products, whether that's Benny or, you know, which is like pork um, and other like really culturally relevant, like Dominican product, products mm-hmm. that are plant-based, Puerto Rican, mm-hmm. you know, African-American products that people ate growing up that are plant-based that you can purchase in a plantega fridge. Um, my hope would be, you know, a one of these these brands that we're working on is inspired to try a, a new product that reaches this demographic because of us being in a plantega and realizing, hey, there's a whole other audience out there who wants to try our products that we, we, we necessarily haven't designed, you know, our food around. And so I think, you know, that's those are sort of the things that pop up for me, but it's really just like, 
hey, there's a, a large group of people out there who want to be plant-based, but you know, haven't been exactly, they've been waving their hand, jumping up and down, but they haven't been noticed yet. And now we're sort of putting the spotlight and saying, hey, we're here for you and this is for you. And I think that's, there's something powerful that's brewing here that we still don't know what, what's yet to come. Yeah. What do you think, Eric? That's true. Uh, for me, the success would be just, you know, having it working perfectly smooth where the business owner can full-heartedly say thank you for helping out the business, the community to say the same thing, Mm -hmm. to say thank you for, you know, having this there and, um, you know, being able to – two ways I don't know this is successful. If I walk into a bodega and I see a young person and an old person – shopping at the plantega fridge or old person young person one shopping at the fridge while one's ordering a sandwich that's a sign of success mm-hmm. now the major sign of success in new york city bodega is if i go into a bodega and i see someone upset that there's no plant-based options <laughs> that is success <laughs> yeah. and for me 100 that is when i know plantega is successful when someone's in the store complaining to the bodega guy like bobby why you don't have a <laughs> yeah. vegan salted egg and cheese here where's your plantega <laughs> fridge i want some vegan butter and X, Y, and Z, when people are expecting plant-based mm-hmm. options, whether it's through Plantega or not, hopefully yep. it is, but when people are expecting to have it because they have it at their local bodega. Um, and it's just the norm now. And you know, kids can grow up saying, I've been eating Plantega stuff my whole life. I'm seven years old, and it's mm-hmm. been, you know, since, since I've been walking, I've been able to eat plant-based options because of you guys. Like when those things are set in stone, I will feel amazingly happy Sleep with the well success. Yeah. I <laughs> want to see someone upset in a bodega. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. I, can I, love I get that. a They're vegan already upset for lots of other reasons. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, thank you for being angry. For <laughs> yeah. Thank exist. you. Now let's, let's, <laughs> let me, let's, let's yeah, work it, here. It kind of is leading up to this idea. Like you can almost, you can transform communities. You can transform people's diets. Uh, but just do it one bodega at a time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't have to, you know, yell at them. You don't have to shame mm-hmm. them. You don't have to make them feel guilty that they're unhealthy. Or and the thing with, with like you guys mentioned earlier, New Yorkers will tell the bodega what they need to carry, mm-hmm. and they will listen. Yeah. Like if if you go to a bodega and you tell them once a week, like make tofu scramble, mm-hmm. make a tofu mm-hmm. scramble, you're gonna go there one day, yeah. and he's gonna, he's gonna whisper. Yo, got a tofu scramble in the back yeah <laughs> i made it for you you gotta tell me yeah. it's good so i can make it for everybody else now yeah. like that will happen uh so yeah, that, yeah. that's my my definition yeah it's so exciting to kind of experiment also with like different i mean i think we basically i know we said we only have like four big iconic menu items but we've already chatted about like these special oh yeah item you know sandwiches we're gonna create and it's just there's so many cool products to play around with and obviously we haven't we aren't working with every plant-based brand out there yet because you know we're we're just testing at the moment, but even with the small number we have right now, it's just the you know we can mix and match and create such mm-hmm. unique items out of it. And there's so many more amazing companies waiting the wings, kind of just creating unique um, products that that are actually targeted to specific communities mm-hmm. and people familiar with certain flavors. Um, and I, I just think just the the possibilities are just endless right now. Um, yeah, it would be fun to see like how we can we can plug this idea across other bodegas. Of, assuming we can all figure out what what what's really working well in these three locations, and then kind of uh, fine tuning that a little bit more, and then seeing if it can be replicated elsewhere uh, in a way that that's um, you know economically sustainable, mm-hmm. also for everyone involved, because it's all about unlocking opportunities, right? Like you said, oh, you yeah. know, Eric, it's like. 
you want the community happy, you want the bodega owners happy, and you want the manufacturers who are making these products happy, and you just you just create this, you know, you, you instead of like complaining about why the system is broken, you find a way to 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 transform the system from within, mm-hmm. and that is way way. It's to me, it's just a way of putting more positive energy out there versus, you know, focusing on what's wrong and 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 I think yeah, some people need to do that, but uh, I'd rather. I was get busy yeah, work it. on the solution. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I'm kind of going to close out on that one because I do think that uh, this is definitely a to be continued podcast. I, I don't, I don't think we can, we can tie a neat bow on this story mm-hmm. yet. I don't know what the story, how the story yeah. ends. And this is just the beginning and, and I'm just excited about whatever happens. It's going to be, it, it's judging from the past few weeks, it's, unpredictable is, oh, is yeah. the right word right <laughs> yeah i just got a bible this, this is like plan take a diary right here <laughs> like, we'll know yeah. how everything goes yeah we'll keep yeah. you guys posted yeah it's just it's just so many and we didn't even get into like all the logistical stuff of how we managed to pull this off because you know that's to me those are the those are the um that's like the how the code is written. That's not really so mm-hmm. important. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, it's like I want to see the high-definition story unfold <laughs> in New York City. Uh, like Andrew and I the other day were also kind of talking about, like, why does New York have this? This the this may be a good point to close out on, actually. But, like, New York has this energy everyone talks about. And it's clear it's it's crowded and it's, mm-hmm. it's noisy. So <laughs> just in case anyone's wondering, it's middle of November 2020 and it's, it's not a ghost town as far as I've observed. Yep. Um, some things have changed, but it's not a ghost town. People still live here and still people still get stuff done, us included. <laughs> um, but it has this, like, it's almost, the because of, I think, everything is so densely packed together, it's like, it's like reality in high definition almost. <laughs> it's like, you see someone and you're like, baby closer to them than you would be in any other city and so you can almost feel like you understand them mm-hmm. like you can get a glimpse into their personality mm-hmm. totally uh and you know that that guy looks like he has some interest like even <laughs> the people walking into the bodegas you're like every person walking in here seems to have like an interesting story like yeah, yeah. i want to ask them like why did you buy that <laughs> why do you buy that product and why do you come to this yeah. bodega and like somehow i'm not bored by whatever the answers are it's it's kind of fascinating mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like everyone in New York is very themselves, whether that's good or bad, and they let it, they put it out there, and so oh, yeah. energetically, there's just so much people, just energy bouncing here and there, and you can really just feel something special that, that happens here. I feel like New York has all this different energy, but the one thing that keeps the city on the same frequency is the drive. No matter what you're doing, you have a drive to do something. You're in New York City. Mm-hmm. You're here yeah. to you, you have know, to survive. You like, have it's to not survive. An easy yeah, place there, to there's live. things that are like mandatory things. No matter who you are, what business you're doing, or mm-hmm. if you're in New York City, you have this certain frequency to you that's like a go getter for whatever it is. It, whether it's business, just living, or taking care of your family, or anything, it, you carry that certain energy, that certain frequency with you, and that just like resonates mm-hmm. the entire city. And that's one frequency the whole city can feel together. Yep. Go get it. Go get it. Perfect. Last words Go from get you, it. Eric, for now. We'll continue this, I'm sure, down the line. But thank you so much, guys. It's been fun to work us. on this with you and, of course, to have this chat today. Yeah, thank you, man. Got to get back to work now. <laughs> yeah, we're going straight <laughs> Hit to the work bodegas. right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
You've been listening to Eat for the Planet with Neil Zacharias. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to show your support, please subscribe to the show and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about how Eat for the Planet can help your brand or organization develop the right strategy, implement scalable operations, and grow responsibly, visit EFTP.co. That's EFTP.co. Let's rise up to the challenge of transforming our food system. Thank you for listening. is in the air at Littleton Coin Company and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.